Welcome to Ms. Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Poetry, it makes nothing happen. And that's a beautiful thing. All right, word musicians, something we've been mostly deprived of the past uh, 18 months and something which definitely drives parts of my art is uh, chapter 10 of the other 23 and a half hours. It's on travel and engaging with the world. So while you can, you know, Emily Dickinson it out and spend a lot of time at home staring out the window, which I also do a lot of. And that's really where most of my poems get written. But I also find that traveling, whether locally or internationally when you can, is very much a way of, you know, drawing new experiences and images and ideas and concepts and indeed sounds of language into your mind and your senses. And you know, often I find that I'll, the pieces I write about actually traveling when I'm traveling are not the ones that endure. That's Those are just process pieces. Uh, but a lot of times I'll write tons in my journal when I'm traveling and I'll barely write it all in my diary when I'm at home. So later on, those bits and pieces filter through your subconscious and dreams and, you know, your day-to-day life at home. And that's when you might draw from those experiences in order to create poetry that takes your travel experiences to a deeper level than just, you know, you are passing through a place. Uh, I'm very fond of traveling alone. I think that has a, a ton of benefits Often when you're traveling with somebody, you have to compromise too much and your art kind of demands that you take your own roots and follow voices and, you know, just make decisions in the moment. Be spontaneous, you know, have a certain plan, but then maybe it's only something connected to your interests. For instance, I went traveling alone in France and Turkey because I was obsessed with troubadours and I was researching the Languedoc language and the past of the Tourberitzes and my own personal living troubadour muse. And I had to do this alone because I knew nobody else would be interested. And this was my own private quest, my own intimate journey. So in this chapter, I talked to uh, Jenny Edwards and Gary Geddes and Alice Major. But I'm going to read a quote and afterwards a poem from Patrick M. Polarski, who's from Edmonton, and he travels a lot. He writes a lot of uh, Japanese forms, and he's been there and in Iceland and Antarctica. And he says, what turns travel into a fountain of ideas? I keep coming back to the following possibility. A journey forces or seduces the writer into living fully within the present moment. Yes, you don't have the predictable routine of home. And often you're immersing yourself in different languages. You may have to use gestures, more facial expressions. You don't have your predictable ways of being. So you're outside of your comfort zone. You're taking risks. So he carries on. Perhaps a stream of new experiences, concepts, and or languages collides with a writer's preconceptions to sharpen their pen. Perhaps the same stream of highly salient stimuli washes away the ruts of routine, leaving a writer room or free license to experiment with something new. Then he says, I think it all comes down to not knowing what will happen next. Travel induces a wholesale failure to predict the future. 
So you have to open your perceptual dragnet in your brain and you have to draw upon multiple resources that you perhaps wouldn't need to at home where you feel safer and things are more usual. And so travel, because it shakes you out of your day-to-day rut, gives you inspiration at a much um, more pervasive level. So here's a piece that appeared in Prism International in 2008 by Patrick Polarski, and it's about travel in Delos. The lizards hold court at Delos. The lizards hold court at Delos, smug lizards, contemporary Delians, scales scraping on sun-scorched rocks. The lizards don't care much for theater. It bores them. Apollo tumbles for their pleasure as they absently pluck insects from drooping sway grass. This is their temple, their house of broken tiles. Smash pillars for flicking tails and thorny crests. Cistern-lined stoa is a place for quick tongues. Headless white god trunks, a good place for pooping. Eye-skin membranes blink from a patchwork wall. Look up past the hill shrines, the tumbled-down agoras to a blazing, inhuman sun. You've been listening to Ms. Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.